Uggie, Uggie Bo, Uggie, Uggie Bo, is the tune here on the Owls AmeriCast, Chef of Wednesday Opinion with an American <laughs> accent. It's no Hull City Squirrel song, but I did my best. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, uh, and I'm definitely doing my best tonight because I'm, I suspect my co-host is not drinking. So I have two, two drinks in front of me. Uh, I made earlier today, well, last week, we'll start there. When I took a drive out to the Water Pocket Distillery in West Valley City, I'd heard good things about their newest Amaro. Uh, I haven't been out there since I first moved out here. And got some of their Amaros and some of their liqueurs. They do uh, they do, do a, a rye and a rum, but they do do some pretty weird stuff. And they actually have a plum brandy made with local plums on offer right now. So I picked that up and made a little sidecar while I was cooking dinner which is just brandy, uh, orange liqueur, in this case, dry curacao, and lemon juice. And it was not the rest of it was not going to get me very inappropriate glassware, too, but I was not finding my coupes. It was not going to get me through this show. So I also have half of a Jesse Dalmarish uh, Lebkuchen Cookie Imperial Stout, which is the uh, TF Brewing Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels on some German ginger cookie. It's uh, 12% by volume. I'm splitting it with my wife, so it's only 8 ounces. Between the two here, plum, ginger, chocolate, eh, it's, it's close enough. It'll it'll mesh okay. The lemon juice may not, may not help, but it'll get me through the rest of the podcast, and that's the important part. And joining me in Portland, Oregon, is Mike LaRue. And Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. How are you? We are starting week three of Lent, mm. so we are uh, enjoying another herbal tea tonight, just a nice elderberry tea. Mm. I forget who makes it, and um, it's going. It's one of those things. It gets better day by day. The cravings are gone, so it, uh, it's easier as it goes along. Yeah, and very uh, appropriate for our cross-cultural exchange, right, that you smell of elderberries? There you go. <laughs> On this episode of the Owls America Cast, we will review a nervy but effective 2-1 win home to Bristol City. We'll cover the Wednesday news. We do have some dispatches from American soccer. It's been a while. And we will preview a two-match week home or away at the weekend to Otherham, uh, Rotherham. Good. We're off to a good start. I'm glad I have two drinks in front of me. And a midweek tilt against Plymouth Argyle at Hillsborough. But we will start with a 2-1 win against Bristol City. We'll just do it in a word. And my word is nervy. And they're just all going to be like this the rest of the way. I think I tweeted this after this. Game. It's just, they're all going to be like this uh, until they're not one way or the other. And that's still not probably going to be for a bit. Uh, even if Wednesday's form goes drastically one way or the other. But, you know, they did enough here, right? This is another game. I thought they played pretty well, in all honesty. Uh, a little on the back foot early. Some of the problems in the in the midfield that we've seen recently, they came back out in a sort of 5-3-2 or 5-2-1-2, whatever you want to call it. And and look, the the move for the initial Ugbo goal was you know pretty pretty simple all in all. You know, a good interchange down the right side, which we've seen a bit between Palmer and you know Paul Valentin in another game. Povetta often roams out there as well. And look, the the cross was picked out nicely. Uh, Ugbo still had a lot of work to do on the turn there. Kind of caught a little flat-footed. Turns and scores. Uh, Wednesday immediately concede on a on a corner kick. 
that really kind of took the air out of it because that was, again, against the run of play. And look, it's a free header, but it's a long way out. And that's about as good a looping header as you can place as a defender. I mean, we, yeah, well, yeah, like. we saw the same game, but I'm finding positives yeah. of this so far. I think, um, and we'll come back to that. We'll get to the second goal in a moment, but yeah. I kind of think that my, my word would be rhythm or rhythmic because mm. going back to <clears throat> Millwall, Birmingham, got the Leicester game in there, but this is, and like you say, this is how it's going to be. Um, <laughs> this is the level they can play against the teams that are mid-table. Yep. Um, which And look, they're going to, and, if not concede, they're going to be open at the back. That is just the it, way they are going to play. It's been yeah. a little better, I think, with the five. Um but again, you know, it's yeah, it's but Marvin it's, Johnson and Paul Valentin who yeah. put a shift oh. in defensively, but they're not there to be making last-ditch tackles or because of their positional awareness in their final third. They are there to absolutely go screaming down the channels and putting crosses. And look, there's your two goals, right? Is well, the, what, funny, what they have on offer. The it was I guess it was two years ago. I saw this uh, on socials and I actually went back earlier in this week and listened to you guys when you interviewed Liam Palmer. Mm-hmm. And he was taught you were talking about him making runs. And he, he back then he, he said that it was the flexibility of that system. But I mean, I'm wondering if the tactics of this crew really does, you know, leave not only him, but, you know, just anyone on that on that back line of five you know, license to, to make that run if they want to. You know, Bernard certainly makes them. Uh, you know, Palmer did in this instance. And you can do it when you have a five, right? Because you have, you know, it's one, you can just shift into a four at that point too if somebody makes a run. And they did go to a four after Bernard got sent off, which is a little bit of a weird choice, I guess. Because you can see how much uh, purchase Bristol was getting down the flanks, much like uh, Leicester did, but not able to take advantage of it because Bristol City is not Leicester City, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a bad performance. It's just they're all going to get just all going to be miserable from here on out. It's just the way it is. Um, well, I was, like, I was, fly, I was flying solo this weekend, so I was watching on my phone while the kid had the the nice two monitor setup here with some uh, pirate show on Nick Junior that she's into right now. You know, Santiago of the Seas or something. But uh, so I I didn't have the. Yeah, I wasn't taking notes and have the greatest kind of you know tactical sense of what was going on because I was watching on my iPhone, but and occasionally getting interrupted because somebody wanted more fruit snacks or something. But uh, that hasn't changed, by the way. She still demands fruit snacks constantly. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good performance. And again, this is the what I've taken to heart, I guess, over the last two games specifically, the the Millwall game and this one, is that. My big concern is when you're in a relegation scrap like this, you have to find goals. Even if you're more defensively solid than Wednesday are, which is not at all, you're going to have to score goals to win. Uh, you got to win games. You got to pick up three points. You know, you got to go to Millwall and get a result. You got you absolutely like Bristol City, mid-table team. Like they're they weren't bad. They were a very mid-table championship team. And Wednesday were able to find the goals to get a result. And I think that's what you've seen since Pavetta and, and Ugbo have come in is that there is a little something there. And, you know, Valentin has certainly been better recently, and that gives them two different options, two different flanks to play down, right? 
So you can overload either Paveda playing kind of in the 10 or whatever, but in that free roaming kind of Josh Windass role, you can overload either side now. You can overload yeah. with Valentin. You can overload with Johnson with him and just give, you know, championship defense is really something to think about. Yeah, that Valentin is so smooth when he gets out. <laughs> he's, yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing. So, um, no, yeah, no, you're right. The, 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 the upfront play is, it's also exciting. I mean, nervy, yeah. but I mean, it's exciting. And the, the first Ugbo goal that that's the post up back goal. to We've goal been looking, turn We've been looking for that on this. Like there's not like, I'm trying to think of a Wednesday striker recently. Like Joao could do that sometimes. Yeah. And I think I've comped, uh, I think I comped with Samba to Joao, not Ugbo, but you know, uh, Hooper had that in him a little bit too. Um, he's a different kind of striker, although Ugbo's hold-up play has improved, I think, in recent weeks as well. So, but yeah, you're just I, trying to find. I know there's been talk this week about like, oh, can they lock up Ugbo and Favetta long term? I don't care. I no. do not care. Survive. <laughs> yeah, just survive well, and so figure it out in the summer. I'm I'm on my extended Twitter hiatus, but please tell me that there's a um, meme with the uh, distracted boyfriend meme with mm. us with Patamartri on one hand and mm. looking back at Ugbo. Yeah, and like the thing that bothered me about this game is kind of and why it was nervy is they had chances the second half to put it away. They just didn't. It didn't quite happen, right? You know, Misaba didn't quite get the get his feet right. You know, the uh, Smith had that one-on-one where, look, the, the keeper made a nice save, but it, it was easier than it probably should have been for the keeper in yeah. that spot. So it's just one of those, you know, it's gonna just 3-1 would have been a little bit nicer for the last 20 minutes. And, like, you know, Bernard probably should have been sent off in the first yeah, half. That first one. a very liberal definition of a covering defender. I mean, uh, he had he had hands on the guy's shoulders. And, yeah, uh, and if you look to see, there really was no one else. And I mean, them. I I don't know. I don't remember offhand whether there was somebody else, but I don't know if there you qualify them as a covering defender in that situation. But no, I guess like the 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 referee who I thought was fine was letting a lot of stuff go. So maybe he just and look, he sent Bernard off completely appropriately. It was a second. It was a terrible tackle for the second yellow, which I guess you just do at that point, given how little game time was left that's the other thing too that's interesting thing to me they, they've completely dumped like the 12 minutes of stoppage time because there's no way there should have been f- just five minutes under the oh, yeah. current laws like when they said i was thinking seven eight okay they said five i'm just like okay we're done and dusted here we can kill that yeah. kill that off without a problem and they did it's funny to say well, i mean they did there was a corner kick in the last second. with problems yeah with so, problems yeah, great uh header by a heckway there just absolutely like i'm going to send this into the cop if i can yeah and look at the end of the day it's three points right and that's all you gotta we looked at these four games starting with mobile i said i wanted 10 points and they got six i kind of want 12 now <laughs> but so we'll cross that bridge uh, when we get to the previous uh again i thought it was again it's you can kind of see. I think they've kind of adjusted. Like the league adjusted to them at a certain point in the way Roll wanted to play, and I think Roll in the last couple of games has gotten more tactically flexible, still playing right. his brand of soccer, but is more willing to make the kind of small adjustments tactically, whether it's going to a five or not pressing quite as much uh, against Millwall and letting them try to play out from the back. 
And, you know, we'll see with the Rotherham game away. That's going to be a weird one. You had, What do you throw out? We'll talk about the form table of Rotherham's bottom in all of it. But you yes. throw out the form table for for these kind of games, although Rotherham have had a couple. Uh, didn't they just, like, QPR was, like, a wild one at the weekend? They had a crazy <laughs> one with Ipswich, too, that was, like, seven goals where Ipswich had to win in stoppage time. So you might be in for a bit of a bit of a weird tilt at the New York Stadium this weekend. Again, we'll get to that, but you just got to keep getting results. And the results didn't really break their way uh, on Saturday. No, it looked we, like at halftime they were going to. And at halftime, kinda, we had yeah, five yeah. of the games were in our favor. And right, then, and I ended up like two, but again, have, you, you can't, I, we're still far enough out now where you can't, you just got to pick up points. Pick up yeah. points and it'll take care of itself. Win your home games and it'll take care of itself. But I don't know. I'm not supremely confident because this is a Sheffield Wednesday podcast and it's not, it's not my stock and trade, <laughs> but again, I think they have the players in the system to get enough results to get them over the line. They have to do something like a point and a half per game the rest of the way to get to 50 points. That's basically been their form under roll. So we'll see how it goes from there, I guess. So, Playing from the back with this five, hmm. is Beetle? You, you, I'm not warmed up to him. All I've the said way. this before. I'm not particularly convinced by him as a goalkeeper, yeah. especially with his distribution. Um, his shot stopping has been good when called upon. Yeah. Um, the set piece not his fault, but it no, was, he can't stop that. That's just one of those in a, in a perfectly weird way, looping was, headers that on a guy that should have been marked. I, I, I can't think of a goal that he's really let in that he shouldn't have. Like right. he gets hung out to dry sometimes, like especially in the Buttersfield uh, yeah. game. But yeah, I'm not utterly convinced of him. Like I, I think it's actually, I think he's a little better on like crosses. He he marshals the box a little better than Cameron Dawson. I don't think we got to see him stop a penalty yet, so I don't know. He probably will not measure up to Cameron Dawson there because who does? It's like Emmy Martinez. That's about it. And but yeah, I have not been. Look, I get why they brought him in, and you can kind of see it, but yeah, yeah I have it, not been particularly convinced by him that he's this, you know, huge upgrade over. There was, there was an article this week in the Star. Like, I thought, honestly, like, and again, he obviously had the hideous gap, but I think I thought Bailey Peacock Farrell, as far as like young international goalkeepers go, is better than uh, Beetle. Beetle. Again, it's only been a what a handful yeah, of games, half dozen games, if that. So. Also, seeing that set piece um, does, in a weird way, reminds us of that. We used to be really, really bad at that. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good that that's the, uh, that's cross, the only one cross, cross coming in from the left-hand side of defense. I mean, it's a corner kick, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that note, take a break. Come back, cover the Wednesday news. Talk a little uh, NWSL shop. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And preview the upcoming fixtures. Welcome back. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Not a ton of news to cover this week. Uh, Liam Palmer has gone from 10th and 9th to all-time appearances with his uh, action at the weekend. He's he's like chasing all... I mean, he's chasing like Kevin Pressman and then like all players that like literally Turn probably it. worked in like the coal mines yep. and then went to practice. Yeah. But uh, yeah. The graphic. Looking forward to, looking forward to see... Uh, 
Oh yeah, there was a graphic. The I don't know if the team or somebody else that every player he's played with. Oh, who's just your favorite name on the list? Not like oh, your I'm favorite, probably, not your what? favorite Wednesday player from that era. But just just like you looked at the at the list of of names. We're well, just I like, did yeah. Who did I do the double take on? Um, let's see. Sorry, this makes for good good it recording. Good, right? It's just incredible. Oh, Connor Connor Grant. Who has been scoring like crazy for Plymouth, and then I found out it was a different Connor Grant who oh, yes, never, never featured, or he came on yeah, once yeah. when he stayed in a cup game or something. I do not know who that person is. There's some, there are some great names. There. I thought Irby Emanuelson was going to be good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, so it starts with Nikki Weaver and ends with Jan Pavetta, but like there is just like. Uh, I forgot about Maddie Fryett. I really wanted them to get right. Maddie Fryett in uh, in full time that year. It was like the Maddie yeah. Fryett Connor Wickham strike team. Then you got this new you McGuire, Leuvens. Oh yeah. man, it's just I mean it's literally the last almost like fifteen years of of Wednesday football. Uh, we were discussing on WhatsApp what will be like the Liam Palmer eleven. Yeah, and I think everyone decided it was just the literally the Wembley team. Although yeah. I I would play. Uh, Lewis Buxton over Jack Hunt, I think, in that particular. Like, I don't know, man. Like, Connor Wickham, first loan spell. Maybe over Gary Hooper? You know, play him with Hooper. That's a pretty good strike. Oh, I think. Now, now you're talking about a bench, but yeah. 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 Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I forgot they had Not, Roger Johnson as, like, their veteran center back they brought in in the, the first year back in the championship, too. Uh, there's, there is a, uh, there's a World Cup winner on this list too the aforementioned emmy martinez ah. who uh was not a particularly good keeper on loan with wednesday as i recall in other wednesday news uh denny roll did an interview with a german soccer magazine last week and some of the translated bits and bobs got uh pushed out on twitter the interesting note and he kind of followed up on some of this at his uh, availability is media availability as well, but uh, he's apparently approving the hotel reservations for away fixtures. Like somebody else should probably be doing that. Did it say why? I have not. No, seen it, it just said he has his hand and he approves like transfers. What? Sure, yeah, uh, but he just says he approves everything. It's a very, it's a very uh, small, lean, lean front office, lean organization, which I don't think just surprises anyone. But uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But does he say he is there something particular he just wants to sign off on for hotels? No, I guess they say this is where you're staying. Like I don't know, I don't know how involved he is. I don't know if he's on like Priceline, like looking right, up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, getting a verbo for the squad or whatever. I don't. I don't know how that works, but it does. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, very curious. And he also kind of uh, to, to tie in his like media availability, like. So like, yeah, we can look like I, I have some plans in the summer, but I don't want to talk about it yet because, of course, you don't want to talk about it yet. But you do get this feeling that like you knew you were never going to have Danny Roll forever, right? That's just not the way it's going to be. And you want you want your managers, like your players, to have ambition, right? And you want them to always be pushing forward in their, in their job. It's good for your club. And look, no one... It's there forever, right? There's no long-termism in football. You know, even Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. I'm pretty sure he's the longest tenured English manager at this point. Um, so is it him or Pep? I forget who came in first, but it was Klopp. Yeah. Right. 
so yeah, but you just kind of want to get as much out of the Danny Roll experience as you can because the next guy is probably not going to be as good. No, not going to be as exciting. I mean, I'll take boring championship mid-table for a couple of years. It's, it's fine. I'm not yeah, a... Just it. I will take Bristol City all day, man. Not that boring. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this plays out. Uh, hopefully again in the... In, still in the championship and in the in the summer months, but... Until then, we do have some dispatches from American Soccer because the uh, NWSL kits were announced this week and I now have an NWSL team and Mike has an NWSL team. And I got to say, man, Nike just mailed these in, broadly speaking, I think. It's interesting because when I first... So somehow the link to the NWSL shop got out on socials before the teams could all do their reveals. Right. And so you look at them just without, you know, just stretched out like they have them in the store with no models. And you're just kind of like, ah, and you don't get to zoom in on them and see the textures and stuff. Sure. So yeah, I was really underwhelmed by the thorns had this, I was like, oh, they have an all red kit and then they have an all something greenish grayish kit. And, but um, as the social media stuff started ramping up and you could actually see the players in them, it, yeah. I'm, I'm warming up to both of them actually. So. Yeah. The Royals kit looks like a very kind of plain, like not even gold, which is a very, it's like honey. There's a lot of bees in Utah. Apparently is a big thing. Uh, it is a beehive state after all, beehive but state. Yeah. Uh, it did kind of just like a pale yellow, like very plain kit. I think like there's like, some navy piping on the edge of the sleeves but again when i saw it like actually the, the, the rollout because they shot it at like a ski resort or whatever and it was kind of like blown out uh lighting i couldn't quite see the mountain water mark uh or the gradient mountain gradient on the kit uh, and actually it does look better i i really like the navy away kit i just like you know i know it's like i lived next to this credit union when I first moved here, but I, I'm sorry. I just can't wear a uh, soccer kit. that says America first on it. That has, that has a certain connotation. <laughs> well, like, again, I'm, my, I'm, I'm pretty liberal on, you know, shirt sponsors and things like that, but that's, not, that's not going to happen for me. I'll get a scarf. It's fine. A lot of the NWSL teams have our, their healthcare, local healthcare providers mm. on. And as does Providence, that would have been better, frankly, Providence park and Providence for the, the kids yeah. sponsors. It's just, you get you get mail from Providence and the and it's not a good thing. It's yeah, like a, sure. This is not a bill, but you know, <laughs> an, it's an explanation of benefits, Michael. Explanation. <laughs> yeah, so that's what most of us. Think the bill comes later. Right. So, um, no, I'm ex- uh, so I'm curious. Do you consider your club to be an expansion team or is this a? I, it's um, confused. Action? So actually, when this shirt came, I'm like, I can't wear this at the park. Uh, so I went yeah. on eBay and looked for uh, the last run of utah royals so i could be a very like fake uh, utah royals fan i guess i wasn't living here when the you know i support my local team yada 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 but um i don't know like it doesn't matter to me i guess um yeah. right well, i don't know like I mean, the, they had the, an expansion draft obviously this isn't like the uh yeah ravens browns thing where we're no i mean they, you know it's it's such a it's still a fairly young league too so I guess that's part of it as well. Whatever, I'll be at I'll be at America First Field for several games this year. So, older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
we'll see how that goes. Can we also mention that Phil Neville got his first win in Premier League? I, I, who is Phil Neville managing now? He's the Thor uh, Timbers. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I did see that. That's right. I actually think I trolled you about that when I have it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I deserved it. But I, again, I'm I'm lukewarm about the Timbers, but mm. I'm I'm a definitely a fair weather Timber fan. But, sure. Uh, and that has to do with how hard it is to get tickets. So. Right. Yeah. Nonetheless, Phil Neville, go figure. Phil Neville, I forgot he was there. God bless. Doesn't seem like I, I can't imagine him like in downtown Portland, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, that was the thing when like Josh Windass was supposed to be coming to Real Salt Lake. It's like it's really. <laughs> like, I don't know. He belongs in Nashville, and he knows. Yeah, it. yeah, it's fine. Hull, Salt Lake, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, roughly the same. See, actually, I should actually, I don't actually know where Josh Windass was born. I assume it's Hull. It is Hull, yeah. And he like he did his youth uh, career at Huddersfield. So again, Salt Lake probably about the right speed for, for those two places. So fair enough. On that note, we will head to the previews. So take it away, Justin's notes. On Saturday, they head to the New York Stadium against Rotherham. Rotherham are in 24th. Uh, <laughs> 3, 10, and 21. Uh, 30 goals scored. 66 goals allowed for a minus 36 goal difference. Away form, 24th. 17 goals against 23 allowed. Only a minus 6. They are minus 30 goal difference at home. That is... Uh, absolutely wild they have also picked up to be fair oh my god they have not won at home this year they have four draws at home the new york stadium absolutely wild well that's their home form it's not their away form he put uh, justin put away i he had probably had a few nips the menthol nips when he was uh, writing this up so yes but their, their home form is 24th but they have only four draws away from home there you go uh, their form in the form table in the last five out of 15 points. They've gotten zero points. That is 24th. <laughs> in case you couldn't do the math. Uh, you might recall in the reverse fixture at Hillsborough, uh, Wednesday finally won a game. He won 2-0. Uh, Michael Smith brace. Look, if Michael, I might start Michael Smith at the weekend. If he has a little juice against his old team, go for it. We'll get to that. Who are they? It's not a derby, Patty. Patty is not on the show. Totally a derby. It's not a derby. It's a derby know. for them. It's not a derby. I almost, I wanted to stop uh, I had to do grocery shopping after I picked up the kid from dance class. And my, the downtown local grocery store now has the Sam Smith. So I wanted to get a proper Yorkshire beer for a Yorkshire podcast. But I wasn't going to, Drive all the way there. So I just went to the local grocery store, which a worse beer selection. And now drinking through the rest of my refrigerator. But uh, it is a Yorkshire match. A match between two clubs in Yorkshire. But no, it is not a derby. <laughs> Justin also put in the notes, beware Wednesday section five. If you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm just going to, I will read all of Justin's notes. He spent time on this. Uh, pass the bucket, you fucking mini pigs. Uh, Chuckle Brothers, at Seal in New York. Uh, again, you're not from New York City. You're from Rotherham. Uh, they fired their manager, Matt Taylor, on November 13th. They hired Liam Richardson on December 11th. Uh, <laughs> they are 1, 3, and 11. Um, so they're actually worse 
Is that right? Yeah, they're actually worse. They're not drawing any matches at this point. Uh, that is 1, 3, and 11. That is uh, five points from 15 matches. <laughs> Wednesday-esque, really. Uh, they settled on a 3-5-2, which is a 3-1-4-2. Uh, of note, he just put a, a bunch of tiny pig emojis here. <laughs> Uh, their center back, Sean Morrison, isn't horrible. Their highest rated player is their right center back. Second highest player is their keeper. Uh, Sam Klukas. I, I liked Sam Klukas at some point. He's apparently oh. there. That Andre Green is also there. That Andre Green? That Andre Green. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know it's sort of not really a derby, and we're on the road, but this needs to be three points. It does, Justin. Uh, again, the form table goes out the window here, right? You know, obviously, the last time we played Rotherham at this level... Uh, they did the double over us, as I recall, and like put out a DVD or at least like a portrait of their right, stoppage time winner or whatever it was off the yeah off the corner kick the other way, which is fine. Yeah, I would like to do the do them the same favor. Basically, I have no particular animus towards Rotherham. It's not worth yeah. it for me. Um, I will save that for Leeds, basically, which we will get to in the coming weeks. Uh, but even that's kind of like jovial. I just like, as far as Rotherham goes, it's the madman meme where it's just like, I don't think of you at all, basically. Like, yeah, we have to play Rotherham. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Hopefully just for this year and hopefully not next year because they are extremely getting relegated. They are down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that takes us to midweek. Plymouth Argyle at Hillsborough. Uh They are 15th, 10, 10, and 14, minus full goal four goal difference um in those 34 games they have scored 53 and scored 57 so you know for a mid-table team they're gonna score a few and they're gonna let a few in uh their waveform is 21st uh, minus 14 goal difference although they've been okay recently uh in their away form their overall form is 16th uh <laughs> the reverse fixture did not go as well they lost uh three nil at hyde park in Danny Rule's second game is charge. Although, as you know, whenever you just don't want to play Pimenth Argyle away. If you're Sheffield Wednesday, it never goes well. But it is at Hillsborough. This time around, who are they? They are the Pilgrims, one of the two Devonshire clubs. They have the Mayflower on their crest. 119 years of professional football. Argyle comes from Argyle Terrace, uh, not Argyle. I assume that's the movie. That's how he spelled it. It's fairly recent. It's not 119 years old. Uh, and so, oh, it's the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. Okay, sure, whatever. Second and third division <laughs> yo-yo club. Uh, Stephen Schumacher left for Stoke on December 19th. That's not going great. Uh, Ian Foster came in on January 5th. They play a 4-3-4. That's, uh, Justin, that's 11 players. That's not how that works. I assume that's supposed to be a 4-3-3. <laughs> a keeper really roams. Yeah. He started coaching in Ireland, uh, managed from 2009 to 2011, joined the England U teams. I assume that's under 21s or under something. Under something, yeah. Under something, under some age group. England it's, University. It's, just, it's hockey playoffs. We'll give Justin a pass. Uh, in 2019 to 2023, uh, went to SA to help Stevie G. South Africa. Okay. Sure. That's my guess. No, it's I assume it's Stephen Gerrard. Where is Steven Gerrard managed? Managed at Villa, right? Are you losing my mind? I had a cocktail and a lot of beer. I'm trying to like... <laughs> I'm trying to... 
<laughs> what is happening? Went to SA to help Stevie G. Anyway, right young manager, 4-3-3. There, he got the 4-3-3 right this time. Uh, Hardy leads the front line in front of Whitaker and a grab bag of players. Tighten up the back. Ken counter fiercely. Which is probably something to note. Uh, Morgan Whitaker, the aforementioned Whitaker, is an attacking midfielder. <laughs> 17 goals and 7 assists this year. That's pretty good performance from your number 10. Uh, the aforementioned Ryan Hardy, who's their striker. 12 goals and 4 assists. Again, they score goals. Saudi Arabia. Mm. Good job. Makes much more sense than uh, yeah. South Africa. So my apologies. He met, he, mid-season, he came in. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense now. I just kind of blotted that out from the memory, I guess. Uh, other players of note, uh, Finazaz, another attacking midfielder, seven goals and five assists. Michael Cooper, uh, is their young goalkeeper. And uh, Bali Mumba plays a wing back or attacking midfielder. Uh, who has not been playing as much under Ian Foster, as you may remember him from previous Plymouth Tilts. Uh, again, tough game. You need at least one. I think, look, again, their home form has been so good recently. I think you have to, like, it's it's order of operations here, too, right? If the order was reversed and you took, you won at home against Plymouth, you'd probably take a point against Rotherham. Because that can be, again, it's not really uh-huh. a derby, but you throw out the the form table you know, when I'm gonna, playing them, but like brother have been really they, bad. Let's push back. Yeah, I'm gonna push back on the derp that throw the records out because yeah, they gotta be they have to be rather. They have they to be rather. And once flat. that it's kinda like look, if they can get four on the bounce here in this stretch, I don't know if they'll be clear on points, right? I don't know if they'll control their own destiny at the end of that. But they'll be in really good shape. And the, the, look, the schedule gets a little tougher in March. It's not bad in April. Um, and we should, I think they finish up with teams that should be settled by the time they get around to them. So hopefully. You would hope. I see. But yeah, you just got to, this is the easiest stretch of the run in, really, starting with Bill Wall. And look, if you can go to the den and get that result, you should be able to do it against Rotherham. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I don't know. Like again, I I will say like I said, I said I was set up for I was settled for ten in these four games. I will still settle for ten in these four games. I kinda like twelve at this point though. Yeah. I guess we'll see yeah. how it goes. There's not a again, there are only let's do a live championship table look. Nine. Eight. Eleven. Yeah, they are seven points out of seventeenth. Which doesn't really count because their goal difference is a disaster. But like, there's a lot of teams. Like, somebody is gonna fail. You've already seen it with Stoke, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And Plymouth is yeah. Plymouth's the kind of the top of that gap. Yeah, right Plymouth, they're only eight points behind Plymouth, right? That's the that's the gap here. There's a little bit of a gap between Plymouth and Cardiff, and you know the difference between 14th and 15th is the same as 15th to 20th. So this is how it's going to to play out over the court. It's going to be unpleasant. It's going to be nervy. It's going to be whatever. Um, you know, you can drag Plymouth back into it with a win, right? You 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 beat Plymouth. You get to, I don't know what, I don't even know who Plymouth is playing. At the weekend, Plymouth is playing, uh, they're home against Ipswich. So if they there don't get a result there, you know, all, all of a sudden they're five points out yeah. of the drop. So 
you just keep dragging those teams back in and you just create more outs, right? Um, I saw Patty tweeted, that, I think it was Patty, that like the Guardian, the Football Weekly podcast thought we were going to be safe. It's like, I don't need that. So, so they, they thought when they thought it was going to be Stoke and Millwall, I think, that went down. Oh, wow. Look, one of these years, I'm going to predict Millwall to get relegated and I'm going to be it's right. Gonna, and if it's this year, it'll probably be good for Wednesday. So. <laughs> Uh, I will take that. Like one of these years, I think I promoted it one year. They almost got promoted. They almost got promoted, but whatever. Predicted it one year. They almost got promoted. I will. Uh... Hey man, it's nothing personal. Although you might think it's kind of personal at this point. It sounds kind of personal. It's Millwall. It's personal. It's Millwall. Yeah. We can see you sneaking out because it's the thirtieth minute, and nothing else is happening. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yeah. It's been episode 240 of the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas and Instagram. We're also there. The podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday at Reverend the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., 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 wherever you choose to download your podcast you can find us and wherever you do do that we ask you rate and review the show more wednesday it's find our ramblings mike is on twitter at cascadia owls you gonna buy a portland thorns kit mike i will i haven't decided which one i like it's it's a it's a toss-up because the red one is very much i'm a guy like i can't i'm weird about wearing red now to yeah. the point that it's like I can't like and again uh, obviously my my wife teaches the University of Utah red is a is a notable cover there uh, very I went red. to the University of Hartford which again red very red yeah but I am uh, superstitious about how much well the last the last three thorn kits were the last two were all black and the previous one had a lot of black in it so yeah. this is kind of jarring to everybody yeah I don't know, I don't know how I feel about a red like obviously uh Real Salt Lake is red and blue, which at least it's like, yeah, it's red and blue stripes, whatever. It's not like, like the red and white stripes, you get a little, and absolutely not, but like red, yeah, it's not, it's not a great color for me. Frankly, I'm a winter, so do a lot of darker navies, black, gray, etc. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternastro. Just find a different kit sponsor, uh, Utah Royals, and I will gladly wear your, uh, wear your merchandise. Software dev firm in uh, South Yorkshire. Yeah, absolutely. I wear A up. Utah Royals, A up. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>